Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts, Chris Schubert, floating around in that New York Jets green, producing this thing. We're all from the Draft Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online, the number one spot for all your sports wagering information. They've got everything you can imagine NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, combat sports, esports, in game betting, Vegas casino games, you name it, they have it available on a simple to use website that you can check out on your desktop, or your mobile device. We do have a deal for you. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You deposit 100, they give you 50. That's how it works. It's bet online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Miniature Golf Day to you. Uh, when, when's the last time you play mini golf? Um, you know what? Shout out to a place here in Charlotte. They actually have a 21 or older. You, you have to be over 21 to get in there. It's adult putt-putt. And you go there, they have a full bar, full restaurant, and like digital scorekeeping. It's a really are, fun time. Are like the hazards on the 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 course like nude people statues or what? Like why is it just they that's the only way they could justify selling adult beverages? Why what I, adult I guess 21 it's, and it's kinda I and I have a kid and I, I love my daughter, but it's nice to be able to do that without have you done have you played mini golf with your daughter yet, Kyle? Have you done this? No, not hmm. yet. You'll, you'll understand real quick. How many balls why. do I need? How many balls do I need? Well, you just need, you only get, they're only going to give you one. So right. You, so how many do I need to come with in addition oh, is what I need to know. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have several in your pocket or otherwise you're going to be pulling it out of streams and out of the street. So uh, it was nice to just do it, have a beverage, keep score digitally. Um, they had a nature theme. They had a, a library theme. It was great, man. Okay. Yeah. Have to go next time we're down in Charlotte. Draft dudes do Charlotte. Yes, sir. Chris, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday to you. Last time no, I played happy mini- National Mini Golf Day. Yeah, last time I played mini golf was when I was on my vacation a couple of weeks ago. Played it on the boat. Oh. Play, played a little two. Did v- you make two- any money on that trip, by the way? No, lost a lot of money on that trip. Oh. Uh two v two v two match play on the top deck of the boat mini golf. Nine holes, match play. It was it was it got very serious. Sounds intense. Sounds very yeah. intense. Alternate shot match play. It was very a lot, a lot of money was lost there. So we've already talked about how Draft Dudes this week is kind of a new era for the show, and we're, we're bringing a little bit more structure in. Our, our first um, our first segment today is, is dedicated to scout speak. And uh, we're going to be looking at the wide receiver position and, and route running is the, the primary focus and objective. And it's fitting that with the Draft Dudes and – you know, Stephon Diggs in Buffalo and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in Miami and Chris with, with Garrett Wilson making the big impact that he did is TDN's rated rookie uh, 
Offensive Rookie of the Week in Week 2 in the AFC for the New York Jets. It's fi- it's fitting with all of our allegiances that wide receivers kind of where we start. There's a lot of buzz in this position right now and buzz across the league with all these wide receivers that are getting paid uh, $25-plus million per season. So wanted to take some time and kind of dig into the nitty-gritty on route running. And then we're, we're going to have Ray Garvin join us from Draft Network, and we're going to talk wide receiver evaluation with him a little bit. Uh, and then we're tier maker Wednesday is back. We're doing a tier maker and it's not in regards to wide receivers. It's regards to something fun. We'll touch on here in just a second. So, but let's, let's, let's talk route running and evaluating route running Joe. So w- when you first sit down to watch a wide receiver, you know, obviously we want to know what kind of separation can you create, but like, what is that? What is that? early impression process look like for you? What what ways can receivers declare themselves to you as being advanced as a route runner? Well, for me, it starts with how they get off the line, right? What's the release package like? How do they beat press coverage? How do they get into their stem? Can uh, Can we define a couple of these terms right off the jump since we're like, people hear the phrases like stem mm-hmm. and release package. And at the break, like, I think it's important for us to to define all of these things. So you're talking about release package at the line of scrimmage. What does that entail for you? And I'll I'll come in and piggyback off of anything else that that grabs my attention that you might not mention. The the release package is your, uh, your initial steps into your route stem. And so before I go any further, a route stem, imagine a tree trunk, right? And that stem is uh the the trunk and a route tree you build a route tree off of the stem right so it's there's like branches different branches that come so that's why they say a route tree so how you get into that initial stem every route starts with a stem and so those initial steps how is that cornerback lined up on top or what you know how, how what type of coverage are they facing and how do they get off the ball in such a way that's going to set themselves up well to get into the stem so if they have a corner playing tight press coverage right on top of them that's trying to create a jam and reroute them. How do they play through that contact? How do they beat press coverage with all the skills they have? Could be hand moves, could be stutter steps, could be head fakes, all that type of stuff. How do they reduce and get around that guy? If they're off coverage, how do they adjust their route stem to put themselves in position to create that leverage advantage and create separation, right? So initially I'm looking for that release package those initial steps, how they adjust to the coverage in front of them, and how do they get into that route stem? Well, I think I think an important thing to to try to marry as you're watching receivers too is, you know, what what's the leverage of the defender? Is he outside shade, inside shade, or head up? What kind of release do you take? Do you take an inside release? Do you take an outside release? And what what direction is your break at the top of the route? You know, if I'm running an outside, if I'm taking an outside breaking release against an inside shade corner, oh, do I take an outside release for an outside break and run the risk of him pushing and squeezing me and reducing me into the sideline further? Am I able to cross him up and release inside and then stack him vertically and put him in a panic and trail where he's now behind me, where I'm unrestricted to then break break outside? Oh, or Or am I going to make life harder for myself by taking a path of least resistance that might carry me into a more complex break at the top of the route if I now have to work through the entire defender's body. 
that's an area for me where I really like to see the the IQ and the understanding of what are they giving me, where do I need to go, and how do I make that as advantageous for me as possible as compared to taking the path of least resistance and making life harder for me at the top of the route and my quarterback to have a smaller throwing window. Exactly, right? If you if you don't take that approach, it's going to be real easy for that corner to stay in phase. You're going to reduce the amount of space available to fit the football, and you're going to make it a very difficult finish if the ball is thrown to you. So, yes, that's a good way. It's a good way to kind of tie that together. So then we have the stem, right? And when I think about stems, especially vertical stems, right? You know, your your dynamic play as a receiver on your vertical stem is going to define a lot of things for you as a wide receiver, right? If you have this, if you're an explosive 4-3 athlete and you understand how to threaten off coverage and, you know, the, the saying is step on the toes. So if, if I'm playing a corner who's playing me eight, eight, 10 yards off and he's playing a deep third, in cover three. And I am going to run a route that comes back downhill towards the sideline, towards the inside, back down the route stem, back towards the line of scrimmage to my quarterback. I know where my break point is for the depth of my route. So I know I need to sell vertical to be able to close the distance between the corner and me as quickly as possible and force that defender to then flip and transition to carry his hips as though he's going to expect me to continue going. And for a lot of your four, six wide receivers, the challenge that they have is they don't have the short area explosiveness on their route stem to force those receiver or those defenders to respect that he might run by me because mm-hmm. if they don't, if they're not threatened by your vertical explosiveness, they will continue to sit and be patient and stay square and be in that position where then when you trigger, they'll take their T-step or their transition step where T-step, you know, you take your foot and you turn and plant it in the ground and you use that to, to drive and create momentum going downhill towards the break. And you run the risk of them undercutting your route and potentially breaking up a pass or, or having a, a contested catch on your hands. But route stems for me also includes, um, creating larger windows as a route runner. I think, you know, Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson are guys who do really well with this. I just watched Rashad Bateman do this at a very high level this past weekend, where if I know I'm going to run a slant, my stem, I don't want to just come straight at him and then break. I want to press outside. I want him to, to get width with me to stay leveraged over top of me. So that way I have enlarged the throwing window for my quarterback for when I do get into the break at the top of the route. So as I'm processing receivers beyond winning at the line of scrimmage and with their release package, their stem is how intentional are you to, again, create additional space, create additional room to move defenders with your body and how you then in turn, again, at the end of the day, make life easier for yourself and your quarterback when it comes time to get into the break and then look for the ball. Yeah. Once you get through that release, it's all about using your route stem to set up your break, right? And whether that's a vertical route and you want to eat up the cushion, like you talked about and close that distance quickly or try to move the coverage to set up that route break, to put you in position to, as you said, 
make that window as big as possible and create that separation and being deceptive through that with how you bend your stem and how you get into that corner if they're playing off. So yes, that's a, that's phase two of route running the release. And then you're into your stem and that kind of gets us to the break point of the route. So let's talk about the break. You know, there's shallow angles, there's hard angles, there's sight adjustments. And I think that that that's a very hard part to observe, right? Is understanding depending on the leverage and the coverage, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a presence of a hook curl defender versus if there's pressure and that space is vacated. Um, just as one example of, of having room versus not having room, you then have to make adjustments on the fly. The, 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 the angle of your break might be different. I know middle of the field closed, which is a single high safety in a high post, or middle of the field open, which is usually split safety coverages or in zero. Uh, the rules are different for what the landmarks are for a lot of routes. So, you know, there's a lot of nuance there where I I agree with you in the release in the stem, it's, it's pretty black and white, right? It's winning at the line of scrimmage as quickly as possible, using my stem to set up my break and enlarge and maximize my window. But at the top, the break is a little, it's a lot more, if if we're being honest, cerebral Mm -hmm. as far as understanding Everything's timing based. You know, you do you don't see a lot of offenses that are just kind of visual point and shoot at the NFL level. Everything is marrying the routes together, marrying the routes versus the coverages, and everybody's routes adjusting depending on if they're playing Tampa two or they're playing quarters or they're playing quarter, quarter half, and the quarterbacks drop and, and the designed platform of the quarterback. So I mean, we're really in the weeds now on like why it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really complex. But I love that dynamic of route running and offensive infrastructure because it it is designed in or it's designed in a way that's supposed to give you a lot of different answers for a lot of different looks. Well, I think one way for if you want to evaluate route running and you get to this point to the break, um, and and there's certain characteristics and traits like elusiveness and change of direction and flexibility that's going to make it easy for you to get in and out of those breaks. But something that is always a good tip for me is trying to understand how calculated they are at the top of that route, right? For some guys, they can process quickly on the fly, understand how to set up that break, get through the break, and it's all seamless and fluid. And then there's other guys that it's more choppy and calculated and there's extra steps and there's a lot of gear done and throttle down to kind of get themselves to that point and very calculated and segmented through that route break. And so to me, as I'm evaluating that point of the route, I'm focusing in at that part of it, the the seamlessness of it based on the coverage or is it calculated and choppy and segmented? And there's also the dynamics of playing inside versus playing outside, right? And Wes Welker made this analogy, um, but playing on on the outside is a lot more. You, you got to be a, a a freak and a unicorn as far as an athlete and height, weight, speed, and you know functional strength can come from a different couple different ways. It can come because you're um, Calvin Johnson, but it could also come because you are much more compact and you have functional strength because you have leverage. Right. But at the end of the day, when the sideline is an extra defender that defenses are going to use to their advantage, um, 
that becomes much more about physical traits where when you have guys that are reduced in condensed sets or guys that are working from the slot, it becomes much more of that kind of pre versus post snap diagnosis and, and reaction where it should be seamless, right? It's, it's, it's how, how do receivers see in the midst of winning their route or setting up their route, see what the coverage is, see if the safeties spin, see if the apex defender steps downhill for a run fit. And you, you might have to make yourself available quicker because your timing might be threatened. So all of those things, but I agree with you from a route top of the route perspective, the seamlessness in which receivers are adjusting and adjusting to space and not adjusting into capped areas with zone defenders or, or high post players uh, is a really good way to help identify. And then it's step efficiency. You know, how many extra steps are you taking at the top of the route? How, how hard are your angles and how explosive are you through those angles? You know, rounded corners with extra steps is a recipe for not being where you're supposed to be. And it's a half a step behind. And now the defender is going to get there before you do are going to impact you. So uh, that that's kind of as I review kind of at the top, some physical traits like you mentioned, Joe, in addition to the cerebral dynamic that depending on where you're aligned and what kind of offense you're running are, are all layers that make it very difficult to extrapolate from so many of the college spread offenses where there's so much free access. There's a lot of open grass to run to defenders aren't as twitchy. So you kind of have some bad habits that develop versus then when you go to the NFL. So you got to see guys that have really mastered those components. And those are usually the ones who come into the NFL and have an early impact or a lot of success. Kyle, anything else here on route running? No, because sir. I in, think we're good. In, we got a great guest coming. We, we do have a great guest, and his name is Ray, but I have another Ray that I want to oh, talk wow. about. Oh, wow. First, it's the Sonos Ray. You can experience TV, music, podcasts, and games like never before wow. with the new Sonos Ray. Oh, this compact and easy-to-use soundbar puts you at the center of all your entertainment with clear, crisp dialogue and perfectly balanced bass. Just plug in the power cable, connect to your TV, and get set up with the Sonos app in just minutes. Before you know it, you have blockbuster sound and streamlined control of your content from all your favorite services. Visit Sonos.com to shop for the Ray now. Folks, it is our first honorary dude here on the podcast. We've had guests in the past, but not ever under the umbrella of honorary dude Ray Garvin from the Draft Network. We kept it in-house. We had a little meeting to discuss who was going to be the first honorary dude, and it was unanimous. We wanted Ray. And what I love about Ray, obviously, is because he's great at football content. He has a lot of energy. He knows his stuff, but he could talk about anything. And so much so that we felt no need to prepare him. We felt no need to say, hey, Ray, we want to get into this with you. And so, Ray, first of all, thanks for giving us some of your time. Love having you on the squad. Loving you have love having you on the podcast today. Welcome, Ray Garvin. Appreciate it, man. I'm excited to be here. Uh, love what y'all do. I am a uh, little nervous. I don't know what you guys are going to ask me. There's Good. no no prep. I'm just here, but um, I'm excited to be a guest on the show. Respect tremendously, uh, Joe. What you and Kyle have done 
Um, I, I've been a fan of you guys' for a long time. And to actually be able to sit on the show with you and talk ball, I think, a little bit for a few minutes, um, yeah. it's pretty pretty cool. So thank you for having me on. I can promise one non-football question is coming from me at the very end. But uh, I will start with a football question. And one of our biggest conversation points that we've had in our staff meetings really since we flipped over to the 2023 draft class has been the wide receiver group. And the way we imagined it going into the season is very different even now through three weeks. And so, Ray, I know that you're dialed in on the fantasy side of things. You're dialed in on wide receivers. Who's your guy right now? Like, who do you feel comfortable with in this wide receiver class if you're going to invest a top, a first-round pick in one of these players right now based on what we've learned? It's changed. It's only been three weeks, and it's changed quite a bit for me because, uh, as you may know, Kayshawn Boutte was my guy going into this season. Same. And I'll tell you right now, I'm very uncomfortable with him. Uh, the, the wide receiver that I'm most comfortable with today, with three weeks of data, uh, film, and just his prior resume right now is USC wide receiver Jordan Addison. Um, it's, and it's, it's one of the things that I, I'm still learning and, and struggling and trying to balance out my own personal feelings on the player and, and what I look for in a position, right, wide receiver, based on what the NFL is doing and, and, and seeing how they're deploying these wide receiver weapons. And for me right now, Joe, Jordan Addison, his ability to create that separation his ability to operate inside uh, at slot or play outside out wide and just see him the total domination. He did it last year as a true sophomore. He was fantastic as a true freshman. And to start this 2022 season on a new team, good offense, albeit, I, I'm feeling much more confident and comfortable with Jordan Addison at the top of my wide receiver board uh, than I am some of the other guys that were some of the usual suspects coming into the season. Ray, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned you know, kind of looking across all different levels of, of information gathering, right? Because that's one of the things that I very quickly gained an appreciation for you and, and the way that you go about your business is looking at predictive data and watching film and, and trying to marry those two things together. And I think about my own journey when I first started all the way back in like 2012, 2013, I found myself leaning heavily on influences like that to kind of serve as the the guide for me until I felt as though, okay, when I watch the film, I have a little bit more of a, an instinctual ability to identify what I think translates and, and what does not. So I would just love to hear from you. And this really spurned on for me from the Michael Pittman video that you did for us at Draft Network that, that was just phenomenal in, in talking about predictive data and sample sizes and historical data and how guys fit like what's that evolution of that process for you as a football person and content <laughs> creator looked like it was tough um because i'm a guy that like i'll trust the film turn on the tape i can tell you if a guy can play or not right now that doesn't always mean that you know through the course of their career they're going to be hall of famers or great but it was very difficult for me of of really diving into the the data side of football and some of the predictive analytics and the metrics and some of the benchmarks, you know, target share and, and, and just different things. And even diving deeper into yards per route run, snap participation, route participation, their average depth of target, the air yards, like I, all of these 
different data points. I'm, three years ago, Ray, I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. You turn on the tape. I saw Jalen Rager juking out people on his way to the end zone for TCU. Just get him in the right offense and he's going to be good. Um, but you, you look across the board and it, it's so funny to sit back and watch football conversations take place where you see a guy go out there and produce and earn targets, earn reps, earn opportunities. But because we didn't like the profile or we weren't particularly enamored with the skill set coming out, it's, I'm again still evolving, but at what point do those biases or those preconceived notions that we had as individuals, you got to throw them out the window at some point when you get in there and the team continues to give you opportunities. And in particular, in regards to Michael Pittman Jr., his rookie season was pretty good. And you can say, well, T.Y. Hilton wasn't there and all these other things, but it was pretty solid. Then he comes back his second year and he has a thousand yard season. And what don't the Colts do? They don't draft a guy at the top of the draft. They get a second round pick, developmental type guy, I will say, and they they trust him. And it's for me, it's it's easy to see. It's e- even if I didn't believe in Michael Pittman, the high end talent coming out of USC, clearly he's done something to where the organization feels comfortable with him going into the season being the guy. And sometimes calls like that. Kyle, or, or, or honestly, I think they're, they're, they're low-hanging fruit. Those are easy calls. Like, he's going to get a shot this year to be the guy. Now, is he going to get the extension to be that guy moving forward long-term? I don't know. But um, it was tough for me to, to do that, that, to adjust and incorporate multiple layers in my process. But as I evolve and grow, I understand there's a place for everything. What I say is I'm trying to paint the most complete picture possible with all the information and data that I have available. And I feel like I'd be doing myself and the people who consume my content a disservice by not including everything into the equation or the evaluation observation that I'm delivering. Kyle, any follow-ups there? Because I, I I don't want to transition if you had a follow-up. Feel, feel free. Feel free. Okay. I want to ask you about Jahan Dotson. I spent this morning watching Commanders Lions from Sunday. And I'd love to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown. And so spoiler alert, I'm going to ask you about him next. But let's start with Jahan Dotson. What did you think of him at Penn State? Because, you know, we started our relationship after the draft. So we, we haven't talked right. Jahan Dotson. So what did you think about him at Penn State? What do you think about him with Washington? And like how excited are you? Because I'm excited, man. Like I know that he's not necessarily this like big guy that you think of as a volume receiver that you're going to funnel your passing game through. But this dude gets open and he catches everything, man. He's just winning. He's winning in contested situations at an alarming rate. And he's like five ten. Like where are you at with Jahan Dotson and his role in Washington? I am a lot more excited about Dotson today than I was in the draft process, man. I thought he was good at Penn state. I was like, this is a good player. Like he can play. Did I think he would have a chance to, and and I don't want to ruffle any feathers because it's not going to happen this year, but to ascend to maybe a one in the NFL for an offense? No, I did not think that. As I've watched him early this season, and I haven't done as deep a dive as you, but I have watched because I'm a big Ross St. Brown fan. He's good, Joe. He finds a way to get open. One of the things that, that jumped off the tape for me at Penn State is his hands were ridiculous. Um, I don't know what his hand size is, but – Anything in his vicinity, even at five foot ten, which 
I didn't believe he was that tall. I was actually excited to see him at the senior bowl because I was like, I want to see him up close. And then he, you know, he, he wasn't there or didn't participate. Um, but I am, I am very excited for Jahan Dotson moving forward. I think uh, the skill set, the hands are sticky. He creates that separation. We talk about doing that and there's multiple ways in which you can do that. But I, I wasn't as high on him coming out. I think I had him at wide receiver six or seven, maybe even eight. But definitely looking back on it and learning, I, I think you've I think Washington, they've got a, a really, really good player on their hands. And, you know, I would kick it back to you, Joe. Do you just quickly, mm-hmm. do you think he's got any chance of of assuming a number one share, market share of receiving volume? I know Terry McLaurin's there, they locked him up, but does yeah. he have that type of skill set? What's the threshold for a wide receiver one? Like, is that a, a certain amount of targets? Is it like 110, 120 targets, something like that? You want to see about 120 targets, probably north, 120 plus targets. That's that's a true, he's an alpha kind of guy. If I'm the, an offensive coordinator and I have Jahan Dotson, I'm going to find a way to throw it to him 120 times. Okay. I mean, like, it's it's the separation ability, but it's also the finishing ability. And, you know, it's so funny, man. Like, 10 years ago, we talked about, red zone offense and it's like you got to get these big towering wide receivers that can go above the rim and catch the football it's like no give me the guys that can create space right and Jahan can do that but he also has an unbelievable ability to win in the air and through contact and just like how he's able to just get that ball to stick to his hands man he's unbelievable and it's just it just shows up It, it showed up for three years now it's undeniable like maybe he's not as big as you want him to be but the guy just always finishes well, let me let me jump in here because I'm glad, Joe, you mentioned what red zone narratives were. And, and I have an observation, and then I want to carry that over to my next question for Ray. Um, you know, the, the game has, has changed into much more of a space game, right? You aren't allowed to be as physical as you were with receivers. So you know, 15 years ago, probably was, was not incorrect to say, hey, I want a Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, high point basketball background, go above the rim, throw it to the spot where you can't defend. He'll play through the contact and make the catch. Whereas now where, where the rules are a little bit more restrictive, um, it, it's a little harder to you know, not covet the guys who can shake you because you can't stay on their body as well. You know, we're, we're, we're now the separation ability, even in the red zone. And we just saw this this past weekend on the game when he touched down in the Baltimore Miami game. And I promise I'm not just bringing uh, looking for an excuse to bring it up, but go back and watch the touchdown play that won the game for Miami. What Jalen Waddles acceleration at the top of his initial route. And then when he sees scramble drill and the acceleration reroute, he got three yards of separation on Jalen Armour Davis, who's like a four, four athlete. And it, it was that initial burst that, that really allowed that to happen. So Ray, my question for you and, and piggybacking off of of that observation of the way that the game is changing Mm -hmm. when you reflect on the trends across the league right now what what's what's one thing that you find yourself eagerly buying into about how you watch the game how you value players what skill sets matter that maybe didn't used to be that way but because the league is showing us this is the way that we are going this is the way we're going to pay players this is the way expect the game to continue to be played it's changing the perception that you had. Well, I, I, this is, God, I, lo- I got goosebumps because I love talking about this. Because while we're talking about what observation and trends have taken place over the last, 
man, I would even say like five, six years to where we are now, you can't just look at the receiver, right? Because I think that position is changing, right? Which I'm, I'm jumping around here, but I promise you it'll make sense, which makes the Drake London's more outlier than norm, right? Six mm-hmm. foot five, more outlier than norm now, where that's what you wanted 10 years ago. Yep. You wanted that guy. It's not just the receivers that are changing. It's the defensive side of the ball. They're changing too. When you've got guys like Micah Parsons, who 10 years ago, you could line him up at receiver and he'd be the most athletic wide receiver playing football. And he's an outside linebacker DN. But because everything is getting faster, you know, Mike Backers 10 years ago, the Erlackers, the Ray Lewis is 250 pound cinder blocks in the middle of the defense. You got guys 225, 230, that can just fly around. So because the defenses are getting faster and their ability to to influence the quarterback's decisions are becoming quicker and quicker, you've got to have those guys that can win immediately, right? That can win off the line. That and it, it's just everything is changing. Cornerbacks, right? Whenever I was playing five foot nine, five foot ten, you can play corner. That like you're all right. Now they want the six foot one, six foot two long arms to try to influence and impact these guys. So I, I, I want the receivers that can, A, I know this is going to sound like one-on-one, but play receiver. I've learned that there's a lot of good athletes that can catch the ball in college that aren't nuanced enough to win at the next level. And I've been burned multiple times by the backyard football style approach that I'm watching sometimes just get Jalen Rager the ball, get Rondell Moore the ball. And I've been burned thinking, oh, that is, they can out-athlete people in the NFL and you can't. You can't out Rondell Moore can't. He's a great athlete. He ain't out-athleting everybody else, 11 players on defense. So I really want to that skill set at wideout, like a Jahan Dotson, like a Jordan Addison, like a Jackson Smith and Jigba to a certain degree, even though he lacks some of that athleticism that – you can win quickly. It doesn't take you five or six routes and you're turning players around to try to get you the ball. Now, I I do think there are some rare circumstances where you've got a big player like a Drake London that he can win and he can separate. It looks a little different, um, but maybe because the NFL is evolving to to guard against the Tyreeks, they – they don't know how to combat against this this big monstrous guy on the outside. So I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander on both sides. It's just it's an interesting dynamic and team construct of how they of how they build teams. I'm we watch the Bills, man. I know you were talking about the Dolphins, Kyle, and I'm just looking at Diggs, and it just looks like there was there's just no help. Like what do you do? The dude just can get open immediately, man. And yeah, he'll lose some routes, but I need that guy. I don't need the guy that I've got to bank on him out out athleting everybody else or you know praying that he's big enough to just body and box out defenders so uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic and that's the game is changing therefore how we evaluate and think about these guys at the next level it's gotta it's gotta influence us as well a little bit i want to invoke the name Traylon burks um because first of all i struggled with Traylon burks and his evaluation for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about where I just didn't see a guy that was a nuanced route runner that consistently won routes at Arkansas. And it was very much, well, just get trail on the ball any way we can get in the ball. And he's our best player. But Joe, what's fun. What's fun about that was like, we, we all watched him in season and we're like, yeah, this dude can ball. Right. Right? And then, and then it's like, you sit there and you sit on it and you let it marinate. And the longer you reflect on him as a player, I think that's when those questions came up because I remember, I remember talking to you about him in January and was like, 
there's a lot to like about Traylon Burks and obviously the production and, and he goes out against Alabama and he runs away from the secondary. So like there's things that you try to point to. And then as you see the whole picture amongst all the players that are available, they kind of sort themselves out. And I'm sorry to interject on that. No, but it's fair. It's just yeah. a really fascinating Burks is such an interesting player. And another name that I thought of uh, Ray, when you were talking about out athleting guys in the backyard style was LaVisca Chenault, right? Everybody remembers LaVisca Chenault at Colorado being an absolute stud as a freshman and say, oh, it's only up from here. Didn't turn out that way. And now he's on a second team already in the NFL. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I I think that you teed it up for me. Like, what? And I know that you're in on Traylon Burks. I, yeah. I read the tweets, Ray. You're like, yeah. it's time for the Tennessee offense to go through Traylon Burks in the passing game. Put it all together for us, man. It's, it's, it's juxtaposed to what I just said. Because he's not nuanced. He's not. He's, not. he's, he's right now... He is sort of, for better or worse, kind of out-athleting some people giving when he's given the opportunity. It's, it's, I think he's more outlier than Norm, Joe, to be honest with you, because he still lacks a lot of those things that I would look for. Like, I, I think Jordan Addison, as a wide receiver, just infinitely better from a technician, technical standpoint, I trust him to be where he's supposed to be. I know he can run the seven route the right way. I know he's going to get open on the whip route. But you just you look at sometimes I'm just like, okay, he was the only ticket in town at Arkansas from day one. And from day one to the time that he left, he may not have improved in some of those areas, but he never got he kept getting better at what he does. And sometimes there are players who are just good at what they do. Des Bryant. He probably ran four routes his entire career. He was very good at those four routes, but that's all he could do. He's going to run deep, going to run a crossing route, maybe a hitch route, and that's pretty much it. But he was elite at that. I think I think what happens, though, is Burks will be fine now. I think Burks is going to be fine now. But when some of those God-given traits start to diminish – does he have the skill set and the repertoire to reinvent himself and reinvent his game to still be a productive player? And I'm going to use an NBA reference, and I know it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but when Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, once their athleticism started to come down just a little bit, right? They're still great athletes. Kobe developed a back-to-the-basket game. He would post up. He changed his game. He wasn't a slasher. He was methodical. He was a technician. He can beat you in different ways. And I think you can see some wide receivers right now that I don't think Devontae Adams is some great athlete. Like I look at, I look at him all the time. I'm like, how does he get open all the time? Like what, how does this happen with Devontae Adams? But he's mastered his craft of being a technician, right? Once the athleticism from Fresno State went away, he's still a technician. This is why Cooper Cup's going to be good for a long time because he's mastered his craft. Traylon will be fine for now. He's got to evolve and master his craft of the nuances of the position because once that speed and the size sort of wear off, you know, you're looking ahead six, seven years from now, what, what do you have? You know, like I'm not... I'm not concerned about Jahan Dotson in that way. I know Dotson's only going to get better at those aspects of the game. So it's hard to explain. When we had these conversations, Joe, Debo Samuel, great football player. Is he a great wide receiver? Traylon Burks could be a great football player, but that doesn't necessarily make him a great wide receiver. And I don't think it makes your process wrong, right? Process over results. The results may, it might be the 20% where you're wrong. But 80% of the time, your process is right. 
lacks this, doesn't have this. I'm struggling with my, my ranking and evaluation of this player. The result may be Traylon Burks is an all pro. Doesn't mean the process was wrong. And I think that's the bigger takeaway that I'm learning is trust the process. Trust the process no matter what. And I think you're still right about the process because if we cut on Traylon Burks' tape, I'm, <laughs> there's not much that I'm going to be able to sit back and be like, that was a great route right there. I'm just be like, he's just a good football player. So I, I think the pressure for, for Tennessee falls on the lap early on of the coaching staff, right? And, and that's, that's the variable with draft evaluation you'll never know. You'll, you won't know until draft day what you think of anything that anybody's going to have at their disposal from that perspective from a raw, toolsy, pure football player who's not a pure wide receiver. Well, you don't know what the coaching staff's going to look like. You don't know how they're going to scheme up their routes. You don't know how they're going to manufacture targets. And it, it's, it's, it's an invisible, close your eyes, throw a dart, right? And it's going to land in one of 32 spots. And that variability, we can never account for until the draft comes. And I, I think the hope for, for Traylon Burks that we're talking about here as well, you know, they, they took a guy in A.J. Brown who uh, we probably undersold a little bit as a player, but he also came from a very one-dimensional offense and blossomed as a player in time throughout the course in Tennessee. And of course, Arthur Smith's no longer here. So there's different layers to it. And you start peeling the onion back. You find more, more, more variables that you just can't possibly account for all of them. But that's the hope for Traylon Burks as he moves forward from here, I think, Ray. And can I say one thing? Because there's some similarities between LaVisca Chenault, Traylon Burks, Jalen Rager, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore. They were the only tickets in town for those teams. Now, Tony had pits when he was there, but they were all kind of just like athletes and they were out athleting him. So if you just faded that profile, I mean, your process looks pretty good right now. Yeah. And and that's assuming Burks is a good, like it's two weeks in. I don't know if he's going to be good or bad. I don't know. But just those guys who just kind of, and, and here's the thing, these college coaches, they're not in the business of developing guys to be great wide receivers. They're in the business of winning games. And the best way to win games is Traylon, go at running back. We'll toss you the ball, run five steps and turn around. We'll just pitch it to you. Like th that's, that's what they're in the business of doing. So if you just faded that profile right now, Joe, you're a hundred percent hit rate. Cause Tony Moore, Chenault, Rager have done nothing in the NFL to this point. So Again, I think it's all process versus results, and there's a lot of other factors. And Burks is only running 16 routes, so we'll see, right? We'll see. So uh, it, it's a tough, it's a tough dichotomy to try to answer. Joe, why don't you hit him with this non-football yeah. question? We'll get Ray out of here. Yeah, he's important right? guy. He's got a lot, Very, lot more important things to do than sit around and talk to us all day. So. I mean, I appreciate all the insight. We learned a lot there, but nothing is more important than what I'm about to ask you, and it's going to lead into our next segment. Ray Garvin, you're going to a football game. You got to go to the concession stands. You get one item, non-beverage. I don't want to hear about beverages. One food <laughs> item. What's the one thing you are making sure that you get and taking back to your seat? One concession stand item that I have to get to, to take back. Oh, um, all right. So I'm the type of guy that wants to get the most bang for my buck. The most bang for my buck. You order a burger, they're just going to give you the burger. You get the bun, you get the cheese, you get the meat, maybe some wilted lettuce, right? You order a <laughs> hot dog, you're just getting the bun, you're getting the hot dog. 
But see, what you can do is when you order nachos, you can normally load those up with a couple of different things, right? You can be like, give me the nachos, you get the chips, you get the cheese, you get the jalapeno, you add some meat to that, you might be able to double up. And if you're, if you're, I like to talk, I'm a sweet talker, right? It's the lawyer in me. If you work it right at the concession stand, you sweet talk the concession stand worker, lady or man, I'll sweet talk anybody. I don't discriminate on gender. They might load some onion on there for you. They may put some, I have, I have had, I've come back to my seat at a Dallas Cowboys game with a loaded nacho set, just piled high. My wife is like, what are you doing? I'll just add them to add this on. They'll add this on. So for me, I'm loading up the nachos. I feel like I get the most bang for my buck. I can eat it in in, in spurts. I, I'm nachos, man. Give me the nachos. I know it's kind of dirty. The hands are touching all kinds of things, but loaded nachos. And if you sweet talk the concession stand worker, I promise you, because I've done it, they'll add some extra stuff on there for you. Give me the loaded nachos. Draft Network's Ray Garvin dropping a hammer here at the end. Uh, we won't bore you with our tier maker efforts here as we sort that out for ourselves, but uh, we appreciate your time, Ray. We love having you part of the family. And we hope to have you back on sometime soon. Thank you, guys. Well, folks, I mentioned at the top of the show that it is Miniature Golf Day, National Miniature Golf Day. But I need to remind everybody right now that it is also National Peace Day. And we are not celebrating. We are not celebrating National Peace Day because it's time to argue in this tier maker segment. Chris, what are we doing? Well, hold on, Joe. I think that's a little presumptuous on your part. We might agree here, and we might Chris, be able to. No. Everybody you're, who listens to this show has heard your food takes. Yeah, dude, this is going to be bad. It is a good point. Okay. We, have, we have brought back Tier Maker Got Wednesdays it. with food, and that is the the the, the launching point for us. So Tier Maker, well, we, have, we, we have a Tier Maker list that we agreed upon that we were going to do. We all did it on our own, and now we are here together to talk about it, to discuss, to rank them, to see where we all agree. And... You heard Joe at the end of the the interview with Ray ask him if he had to go to the concession stand and get one food, what would it be? We are ranking stadium food, ballpark food, stadium food, arena food. We are ranking it all. We have a tier maker list. There are five tiers that there are names here on the tiers, but there are just five tiers. There's just that that's one through five is how we're ranking them at the top is the elite of the elite at the bottom is the worst of the worst. And there are a bunch of different items. Can we start with the worst of the worst? Sure. Do we want to just each present which things we put in the worst of the worst? Is that yeah. how we want to do? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Let's do that. Yeah. So, do that. and Kyle, this is fitting because everybody, you, you got like 40, 45 minutes of like elite football content. And now so you're you, going to get the everybody chaos. who listens. You like you are yeah. going to listen to the tomfoolery that happens at the yeah. end of the show. Here you go. Here's if you case. made it this far, then just enjoy the ride because we so the, are the bottom tier. I will just share with you. I put three things in this. Three bottom things. Tier. I have three Ooh, things in this bottom tier. Five. Joe put five. What a All goof. Right. So three things in the bottom tier. Kyle? Uh, the first one is the chili dog. Okay, that's that's respectful. I didn't put it that low, but it is in the next tier. So I, I'm not going to – no yeah. arguments there. It, no arguments and, there. It's a bottom tier food. If, if either of you wants me to justify my reasonings why, I'd be more than happy to share. But I have chili dog. I have – what is it? Potato chips. Just regular potato chips. <laughs> is that what those were? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then I'm going to move those down. I thought those were something special, but I agree no. with you. I'm going to put them in the yeah, bottom. Just regular, good old-fashioned potato chips. I won't lay any brands out there for any any future potential partnerships okay, we sure. do. And uh, the cheeseburger. Yeah, I've the cheeseburger. Never, I, yeah. I've never had a good cheeseburger at a sporting event. 
So I like. So what I don't even want to tempt fate. With. I like what we've done here because I I don't have some of those foods in that specific tier, but I have them in the tier right above. So I'm not. There's no reason to argue. So I'm not going to okay. argue any of those. Joe's so been me, Joe's been troublingly quiet. Yeah, didn't say anything to any of those. So Joe, since you have five things in there and you yeah. didn't say any sort of agreement, I'm a little concerned about what's in this tier for you. Well, I do like the name of the tier. It's called Excuse Me. And so uh, I populated it with some excuse me items that I'm not interested in consuming at a sporting event. First of all, funnel cakes. No, I have no time for that at a sporting event. That's for a carnival, not a sporting event. <laughs> Number two, ice cream cones. The last thing I'm trying to do at a stadium is sit there and deal with an ice cream cone melting down my fingers. No way. I'll have that with my daughter at the, at the local ice cream place. I have no interest in that at a stadium. Number three, candy bars are we at the movies or are we at a football game i'm not sitting there eating candy bars at a stadium yeah the imagine chips- joe uh, imagine sitting in sofi with a candy bar trying to eat that in 90 degree right. stifling humidity Horrible. i'm Horrible. i'm all the way in on ch- chocolate is not a good thing for a sporting event right i agree so- and and the messiness of ice cream i can get behind because that was the thought process on the chili dog the, the potato chips, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, no those, thank I, you. I thought those were something special, so I put them in a different tier, but they are, now that I've looked better at the picture, they are just potato chips, so they're getting moved. What's this other thing? Is this Fritos or something? So, yeah, what was that? What did you guys interpret that as? Because I put I, that in the not it chief tier, which is the tier right above, because I just didn't know what it was, and it had, th- like, it had jalapenos on it, so I was immediately I don't, out. yeah, no clue what the hell's going on with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know what Fritos. it is. It's, you're, you're right. upon further review, I don't know what it is. It's going in the excuse me tier for me. Is it well. like loaded fries? Down. Is that what it is? Because if it's no, loaded it's, fries. It's a bag of Fritos. It's a bag of Fritos. It's I'm a bag of Fritos with, with jalapenos put in. Then I'm sure that, I'm sure it makes sense to somebody out there they know exactly what yeah, it is but none of us to, that's going to excuse me for me so yeah. okay so there you go so all right Joe, four. some some egregious ones in there that we'll argue about mm. i now have five things in the excuse me here <laughs> i have the potato chips as we mentioned i have whatever that fritos thing was and i have put three things in there i'm sorry you want to talk about a mess and i'm all listen stadium seating, if this is nachos you're done stadium seating everybody's in tight you have to have your own space and the last thing i need is somebody, either me or somebody around me, eating freaking peanuts and dumping all of the extracurriculars around me. I I do not want mess. I want mess completely out of my little bubble that I'm sitting in. So peanuts, excuse me, get them out. Joe, you jumped the gun here for me, but Ray couldn't disagree more. Speaking of mess, wow. nachos, get them out. I'll eat them in the comfort of my own get home when I'm able to have uh, some paper towels, some napkins, to be able to create a nice little plate for myself. But when I'm at a stadium, no thank you. Too Can messy I- for me. Let me jump in on nachos. There is nothing worse than the little tub of cheese that comes get, with like get, the vast. Like them in the, y- you can't have nachos without good cheese. And like the little Tupperware tub with the peel off lid, that cheese stinks. If and, we're being right. honest, and, it's and not that, good. And that cheese, it made the, the nachos are then all soggy. If you don't, it's just brutal. It's just bad. You can't do that at a stadium because you're excited about what's going on. No. And then this one might be the most egregious one that they even consider. You want to talk about carnival food staying at a carnival. Take the corn dog and put it back in the carnival fair where it belongs. Oh, no. Yeah, that's awful. Corn mm. dog is an elite entertainment food. So those are my those are my five in the excuse me tier. Do we move to the not it chief tier? Yeah, not it chief. I have three things in here. I got five. Chris, why don't you go ahead and rip them off since you're you're triggering everybody listening. Just go ahead and, and finish the deal. Cheeseburger. Okay, I'm in. The chili dog. I'm in. I don't need pizza at a sporting event. 
What are you going to eat? What is left for you to eat? Oh, there's plenty. Don't worry. We're going to get there. But no, don't. I don't. Pizza, I'm out. Uh, I have peanuts and not it. I like okay. peanuts, but it's it's just tedious. Uh, it's like eating like crabs with seafood, and you don't do that as a sporting event. I get it. I <laughs> get it. You don't do that like as a sporting event. Crabs. But it's the, no. it's the whole point. We're, we got to. I don't want to sit here and have to work for my food while I'm being entertained, correct. right? Correct. I like peanuts. I don't mind the mess, but it's like it's just too tedious for me. <laughs> Chocolate is in the not it chief as well. Bro. Ice cream's in the not it chief tier Guys, because doing? it's it's too. I, and I think Joe went a little too far. Like I can't see myself eating an ice cream cone, but like you don't want to be that guy that uh, George Costanza at the Yankees game or the Mets game where Seinfeld reference, I'm sure neither one of you guys get it and that's fine, but somebody listening will. And the broadcast puts him on because he's got it all over his face and he's sitting here drinking it out of the cup. It's just, it it does get very messy and uh, it can be refreshing on a cold day, but, and then what was this tacos? Tacos what, were they, they did look like some kind of seafood tacos. I put them. In I the have end never tier. seen tacos available for purchase at a sporting event ever. Period. And therefore, I said I just assume this is not a stadium food. Mm, yeah, I, well, I I agree with a lot of what Kyle has there. In my not it chief, I have the tacos because I just don't eat tacos at stadiums. I put the cheeseburger here. Uh, same reason you guys did. Uh, you know, like just you don't ever get a good one. Um, they're always kind of like nasty. Um, I also have the chicken strips in, in this tier, and maybe Joseph. that's a little bit of a hot take. I think Joseph. there's a lot of inconsistency. They're, what they're are just, we they're doing frozen, here? They're, reheat, they're reheated. You never know how good the barbecue sauce is going to be Disgusting. or whatever is going to accompany Kyle, it. Kyle, you're yelling at me. Joe at the end is just going to have a pretzel and french fries, and that's it. It's all he's going to have. I have four tier. things in the elite tier, okay? Four, <laughs> four? things, all right? There's not, yeah. It can't be four things left. You put five things in the first two yeah, tiers. No, Chris, you, yours is more egregious than Joe's, but Joe's take about the chicken tenders is oh, the worst take that we've hit so far. Highly inconsistent. Also, the french fries, I don't, I'm not doing it. What's french left? French fries. What is left? French fries are bad at stadiums. Oh, 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 oh. They're weird. They're soggy. What would you put on? What would you put on your French fries? I prefer to eat French fries with nothing on them. This is a good take, Joe. You put nothing on the French fry and you dip the French fries. You don't put anything on top of the French fries. It makes it too messy. Um, to go back to the messy consistency, salt, we were salt and vinegar. Nobody does you salt put, and vinegar you on can fries. Put salt and pepper on there if you'd like. Salt and vinegar on fries. No, no, I don't put no, salt and vinegar on fries, Kyle. No, no I do not do no. that. Uh, so I also have one more thing in the uh-huh. not at Chiefs, and it's popcorn. <laughs> I'm not at the damn movies. I'm not sitting Dude. there eating popcorn. Joe has some weird hills there's, to die on. There's nothing no. left. There's no, he's got the pretzel. He's got the. I, I'm looking at. It. He's got the pretzel, the pizza, and the hot dog. That's it. So he's got. I have eight items left to populate three teams. Okay, I'm guys, good. guys, we got to keep going. Okay, we sorry, we got to keep going. We we promised everybody that they were going to get more draft dudes, and they're getting more draft dudes, but. <laughs> <laughs> We're late to other things right now. So right. Uh, in, in my at tier, I have the tacos, I have the funnel cake, and I put the chicken sandwich. Uh, I have fries, the regular hot dog. I'm just not a big hot dog guy. Okay. Pop Popcorn I could take or leave. I don't mind it, but it's like it's not like, oh, let me get a bag of popcorn for 12 bucks. And then nachos, because I do agree that nachos are, are hard to pull off. I do not like the prepackaged cheese that comes with the nachos at the stadium. Uh, so that is my eh tier. I got four things, fries, hot dog, popcorn, and nachos because of some limitations within each one of those that, that can make it a less enjoyable experience than it should be to eat. Uh, F for me is a corn dog, whatever. 
pizza's in here for me as well. Um, it's just, you're going to get either, you're going to get like chain pizza. And I, I just, I don't know, man, I've had good pizza. I don't have time for Domino's or Papa John's. I don't, I don't need it. And, uh, the, the, I thought this was like some type of a bratwurst or sausage of some sorts. You guys oh, said the, it was a chili hot the dog. Chili dog. Yeah. And that I, I don't know. I'm not a big put cheese on uh, on a hot dog guy. So, eh. All right, what do we got okay. in the pretty solid tier? One thing. Pretty solid. One uh, thing in the pretty solid tier? I have three. I have Joe, four. what do you have? Pretzel. Soft pretzel. I also have the pretzel in here, yes. Pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty... Is a that pretty... it for you, Joe? In that tier, yeah. Four things in the need. Okay. I have the funnel cake. Funnel cake is, is banging. It is delicious. I would eat it anywhere. I have pizza. And I do have the corn dog. So I have in this tier the pretzel, the candy bars, the chicken strips, because I just candy think it's bars. ridiculous to have chicken strips. Do you have candy bars in the, the pretty solid tier? Yeah, you, because I, I look at I look at what, this all what candy. Are you, what are you eating? What are you eating? You can give me you can give me a good crunch bar. You can give me, you know, any sort of candy, gummy worms. Chris, I, I do feel I do feel it is worth acknowledging that your home area right now, you live in Phoenix. Yeah. Right? Not great for um, it's air conditioned in there though. Right, that's what that's I fine. mean. You don't have no. any outdoor venue. Imagine going to Hard Rock Stadium and eating a Nestle Crunch Bar for a one o'clock oh, kickoff. Horrible. You're fine. Just, just eat it quickly. That's fine. Uh, I also put the chicken strips and the French fries in here. Those kind of go together though. If you're gonna have one, you probably should have the other. So we'll put those together. Okay, so you're gonna pay thirty. You're gonna pay thirty dollars for the meal and do the French fries with the chicken. Strips. And I'll get a drink out of it too, a little souvenir drink. Yeah. No, that'll be sure. another eight dollars or twelve dollars for the souvenir cup. So now you've spent forty two dollars. It's, for... it's bottomless though. You keep filling it's it up. It's by it is bottomless. Uh the need it tier. I have three things in here. All right. Yes, I also have three things, and I believe uh, Joe has three things in here. Four. four. I have the hot Not dog. I have popcorn. <laughs> and I have the ice cream. Oh. You, you're gonna go to a you're gonna go to a you're gonna go to a sporting event and you're not gonna have a hot dog and you're not gonna have a nice little slide of popcorn and you're not gonna finish it off with some dessert that's ice cream Correct. and give me the ice cream Correct. over the funnel cake like I just put together a whole meal you got your first snack you got the hot dog and then you got dessert I don't so are you are you buying all these things together are you getting up three no. separate times throughout the course of the game Dude, that, if it's a football game we got quarter breaks baby we, we'll just and we got the people quarter coming around breaks. With you get up every quarter at a football game no I'm just saying you can I want to sit my ass down and not lose right. not move. So I'm not the first thing you, usually. the first thing you do when you get there is you get the popcorn and the hot dog, and then at halftime you go get the ice cream. It's perfect. It's done. Oh, halftime when the entire stadium's out there in the yeah. concourse. Yeah, not me. Imagine being scared of just standing in a line and getting some food. I want to sit halftime. there and watch Imagine. Ozzy Osbourne. You know, right? <laughs> watch Ozzy Osbourne hold on for dear life Woo! to that microphone stand so he doesn't fall over doing the halftime show. <laughs> my need it tier. These are my elite items: the hot dog, stadium hot dog, beautiful it's thing. The best. Give me the peanuts. You guys are haters on the peanuts. I love it. I love eating them and just throwing them on the ground. I, of course, you know, love, love making a mess for everybody else. I, I don't care. Love it. Uh, that's not just a chicken sandwich. That's a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And that is in the need it tier for me because there's a lot of consistency. Great. That's right. Chick-fil-A chicken it, sandwich. That's in the great. need it. Enjoy that on a Sunday. Enjoy it. Really enjoy it on a Sunday at a, at a football game. Have a great time. That's why I have two chicken items in my need it tier. My last item is, for- is nachos. You guys are crazy. And, I, and I, I've thought about this the entire time. It's because you guys are in areas of the world and I, I, where just the nachos are not going to be great. I don't, we don't have prepackaged cheese. You get like barbecue nachos down here with like 
really, really high quality meat on top of there with good cheese and jalapenos. Yeah, and, I get and a Dixie cup with like yeah, canned yeah, cheese it. in it. I wouldn't want that either. But I'm, the so barbecue right. nachos that you get down here are unbelievable. Joe is the definite. If you ever the alignment chart, Joe is the definition of chaotic neutral. He eats all the messy foods and leaves a mess for everybody else. I just want chicken. Yeah, just I have chicken, chicken tenders. I have the chicken. I have the Chick Fil A yeah. chicken sandwich, and I do have soft pretzel. That's, that's I think that's. I get down with a good soft pretzel. I can't. We we learned a lot about each other here today on the show. We did. Well, what, we did. You guys have been to sporting events with me. Do you ever see me get any food? Like I'm not a I'm not a big eat at a stadium guy. Like ever, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the bit. The bit. Then why did we that. sign up to do this? Right, like, I know what, that. If you're just gonna do it and then complain about doing it, why do we do it in the first? <laughs> I'm place? just saying, like, because at the end of the day, I'm ultimately just I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. I want a 20 ounce soda, and I want to sit there and watch. I'm glad you say this for the end after everybody listened, as compared to <laughs> no. But here's with this, the thing: which everybody would just turn it off and tune out and say, "Okay, we're that's good. not a football game." I've had I went to a soccer game recently. I had nachos. I went to a baseball game. I'm getting peanuts every time in a hot Yeah, because dog. you're not standing up and clapping and stuff. Right. But at a football game, I'm watching a damn football game. These other games are ancillary, whatever. I'll, I'll enjoy the stadium. I, I won't even get a drink at a football game for fear. I got to go to the bathroom and get up and miss the action. Right. right. Amen. Hope nobody got anything to drink and had to get up and pee and miss any of the action here on Draft Dudes today. But that's going to do it for us today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks for friends over at Online for their continued support of the show. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. We will be back tomorrow with yet another episode with the dudes. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you were at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.